0: Welcome to the Fulham Focus podcast. My name is Matt Boisclare and football is back. I hope you've all had a brilliant summer break. Now, who's ready to do it all over again? In the second half of the show, I'll be joined by the heartbeat of Fulham Focus, without whom the show would not be possible. Mr. Lover Lover himself, Don Love. I'll also be joined by our new massive summer signing. Fulham have been linked with Harry Arter for most of the summer, so we've snapped up his namesake, Matt Arter, who we will affectionately now know as Matto Stato. But before we bring the boys out to talk all things Barnsley, I caught up with Danny Boy a little while ago for the first in the new regular feature. Fulham. So it's a new season and this is the first in the line of player focus chats we're going to have on Fulham Focus. It's a, it's a new feature for the new season. Joining me, Matt Boclair is Danny Boy. And we're gonna start us off with Louis Saha. We're gonna try and make these connected to the, the forthcoming games as much as possible. Louis Saha scored a hat-trick against Barnsley in the 2000-2001 promotion season under Jean Tigana. And also Louis Saha was very synonymous with a season in the championship, as or the division one as it was called then. So we're gonna we're just gonna have a chat about him. So hi Danny. How you doing, mate?
1: You alright? All good, all good. So when Louis half first signed, what, what were your thoughts? Had you ever heard of him before? Well, obviously, being, I suppose, I was about 11 at the time, you naturally focus on the Premier League or the top division, as well as your own club, because that's what everyone in primary school talks about. So I knew of him from his brief spell at Newcastle, I also knew that he didn't do very well. So someone coming from another division that I didn't know a great deal about, but also being wary that he wasn't that popular at Newcastle. To be honest, with you I wasn't overwhelmed by it at the time. It didn't turn my head in the way that van der Sar did the following season.
0: I guess you think about it as well. We'd we'd just signed, I think, Boa Morte had joined on loan. John Collins had signed from Everton. And they were household names at that level as well, weren't they? So, Louis Saha, I'll admit, I'd never heard of him at the time. I didn't remember him from Newcastle. We paid a couple of million quid to to Mets for a player who had hardly been prolific so far in his career. So, it was one of those, really, I I felt like we were taking a punt at the time. Um, And I remember going to Tiverton in a pre-season friendly and, and he looked a class act, but it was against Tiverton, so you can never really judge a new player in, in pre-season, especially against, especially against such lower league opposition. But then, of course, he made his debut against, against Crewe and scored. Then the next game against Birmingham, scored, and all of a sudden he was, he was a player in form and he, he was much talked about in the media.
1: Yeah, and, and going back to when he signed, he also was effectively the replacement for Jeff Horsfield, who was very popular with the fans. So it was big signing at the time, big risk, like you said, because we had the ingredients from Keegan and Tigana was lucky to take over a team like that. There was a lot of experience in there, but it, it missed that final ingredient up front. And, uh, I yeah. mean, they couldn't have got it any better with Saha he, he was just the all-round perfect player for me. And like you said, he, he got off to a great start against Crew, and we, we ended up going, I think we won the first 11 games in a row. Yeah, we did, yeah. Yeah. And although it was a team effort that was built from Taylor forwards, it seemed like the team was built around Sahar. He was just pivotal to everything, you know, every attack. I mean, look at the career he went on to have. He was destined to go on to, to reach the top and... I, th- I think we were very lucky to have him that season.
0: You're right, and the, the, the team was a fantastic team, you know, love like we mentioned John Collins and Bo say but we also had Barry Hales as well, um, uh, Lee Clark, and then building from the back, Chris Coleman, and it was total football at its best, it was, it was so good to watch, but knowing that we had Louis Saha up front against some ageing, perhaps overweight, Division 1 defenders as they were then, because I guess the times have changed a little bit, and Players are much more athletic now. But just a little through ball to Louis Saha, and all he had to do was knock it past the defender. And he was light years ahead with, with his speed, and he was through on goal. And there were so many times when, when he scored one-on-ones.
1: Well, just for, for younger uh, listeners' um, sake, just imagine the impact Mitrovic made when he came in in that January, and he just blew everything away. Uh, he was just superior to every defender that was put in front of him, then imagine giving Mitrovic the pace yeah. of of a world-class striker and what damage he could do. And, and that gives you Louis Sahar. And yeah. uh, everything that Mitrovic can't do, Sahar could. But Sahar could also do everything that Mitrovic can do. Words, I don't think, can describe how special he was as a talent. We've had bigger legends because I think... From a sentimental point of view, he didn't show Fulham much loyalty. So we, he won't go down as the all-time greatest. But in terms of talent, he's the best player I've ever seen in my lifetime.
0: We'll, we'll come on to all-time greatest and that sort of thing uh, later on. Um, but how about your favourite memory of Louis Saha from his time at the club? What really Ooh. stands out for you?
1: Favourite memory? I think it would have to be Old Trafford. Again, like I go back to my childhood and being that kid in primary school where everybody was an Arsenal fan or a Man United fan, because uh, I didn't I didn't live local to Fulham. I lived the other side of London, so it was quite unheard of and a bit strange to support Fulham. So I used to get a bit of stick, particularly when we was in the lower divisions.
0: Likewise, I, I live in Reading. I used to get that as well from all the Manchester United fans that apparently live in Reading.
1: So I would have been what about thirteen? 12, 12, 13, when we, when we went out to Old Trafford. You know, I was there with my mum, my sister, and it just, the whole day, I mean, you couldn't have scripted it any better. Fulham get to the Premier League and get drawn Old Trafford as the first game. I don't think I'd ever quite see the stadium like Old Trafford. It took my uh, breath away when I walked out into it. And then to hit the ground running in the way we did, I never at one point during that game felt that we were outplayed or that. We weren't good enough to be playing at that level, and you know that's just a million miles away from the team we saw last year, where I, I felt we don't belong here. We belonged in the Premier League, and Sahar yeah. belonged on that stage. And you know, other than a couple of quick goals by Van Nistrooy to turn the game around, I thought um, we was outstanding, and none more so than Sahar, who got both goals. I mean, the first yeah. goal was just unbelievable. You know, yeah. the composure to take that touch out of the sky, have the vision to see Bartez running off his line and, and lob it over him. He made it look so easy. But how many players making their Premier League debut from the Championship could do that at Old Trafford against Manchester United? Right. I don't he think it was. One didn't
0: he in the second half?
1: You got a second one. It was a completely different goal, but that just yeah. dem- that demonstrated, and both both times he was too quick for him. The mm. first time he was too quick playing on the shoulder and Sean Davis played the ball over the top. The second time he was in a race mm. with, with uh, I don't know who the centre-back was, it might have been Yapstam, and he was just too fast for him. Across uh, cross says into the bottom corner, wasn't it? It was a cracking finish. brilliant goal, and that was in front of us, that was. Yeah, it so, was, yeah. Yeah, so um, he obviously had many special moments, but... I think that would have to be my favourite moment. Just the whole occasion was just so special.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think for me, uh, my favourite memory is just that first season. And I always think back to that season, and I think back to the last season as well, when we were absolutely shockingly bad and got relegated. <clears throat> Not that anybody needs to be reminded of that. But that season in the Championship, we were turning up to matches, just wondering how many we were going to win by and not whether or not we were going to win. And that was largely down to him, because you knew that we just had this unplayable force up front. And if we were ever up against it, which was which was rare, then he'd get us out of it.
1: Well, well that front three, Boa, Sahar and Hales, I mean, how can you compare it to anything else the Championship's ever seen? But
0: it was worth 70 goals, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure Boa, Morte and Hales both got 20 each and Sahar got 30.
1: Which is just Sental. ridiculous. Um... What a team? What team? But it, was just, it wasn't so much just the goals. It was what Sahar brought to the team anyway. Because, yeah, Slav played tippy-tappy football, but Tagana didn't always. They would go long and over the top. And Sahar would be that outlet for us to break on, on the opposition, running the channels with that speed. He was the complete striker. Yeah.
0: Well, what we wouldn't give for somebody like that this season, all right, we've got Mitrovic, who is going to be worth plenty of goals to us this season. It's fantastic that, that we've got him, but somebody with, with the pace as well would, would be amazing.
1: That season in, in Division 1 is the best individual performance over a season I've seen Yeah. in a Fulham shirt.
0: Yeah. Well, we've talked a lot about the goals that he scored and the amount of goals that he scored and the different types of goals that he scored, but are there any that really stand out as the best goal that Louis Saha scored at Fulham for you?
1: Because well, the goal- there
0: is for me. The goal against there,
1: Newcastle. The goal against yeah, Newcastle exactly. was a good one. Yeah. Um, I was. Uh, I was. Just, that first season in the Premier League, I sat right in the corner by the the cottage. Hmm. So um, you didn't get a great angle of most goals that season, but that hmm. one. See it curled right into the top corner.
0: I uh, still uh, in the Putney end. Was, yeah,
1: you can't. You can't forget that air either—the the blonde air. No,
0: exactly the blonde air. It did outrageous, didn't it? Shocking. But uh, yeah, per, perfect, perfect angle from the Putney end as well. I, I didn't normally stand in the Putney end, but I had some friends with me that day, so I moved my season ticket from the enclosure, which is now the Johnny Haynes stand, and and when and um when I stood in the Putney end, and I was stood right kind of towards that side of the goal as well, so you just saw it as soon as it left his foot. Shea given just flapping away at it, but it's straight in the top corner. That that would be, for me, by far and away,
1: his is best goal for Fulham. Is, is that what you're saying? Are you saying that goal as well? Or do you, uh, was, think, you just considering your options? Well, you have to go on your instinct. So when, as soon as you said the question, that's the first one that comes to mind. But I, I do feel that first goal at Old Trafford, hmm. the technique, I don't think there's many players that would have scored that. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be between the two. He also scored a really good goal against, I think it was Southampton at Loft Australia. It was one of his last goals. Ball coming from the side and he was just inside the box, central, but he had his back to goal.
0: Yeah, I remember it. Yeah. And
1: the ball, ball was coming, the ball was going the opposite way. It was going back towards our keeper. It was going away from him. And he somehow got his foot around the ball and volleyed it into the bottom corner. I still don't know how he did it because. <laughs> The angle was completely against him. Yeah, but I think, for a Hollywood point of view, I suppose the Newcastle goal.
0: Yeah, no, completely fair enough. All right, so moving moving on to a little bit later on in his Fulham career, then I think in that season you were talking about. Cool, what would that have been? Oh uh, three, oh four. Yeah. So around around Christmas two thousand and three, I, I think we were fourth. We were we, we were fourth at Christmas. Um, But he was being heavily linked with a January move, and then I don't know if he actually refused to play, but there were rumours that he was he really wanted to move. And I was just thinking that if he had stayed and hadn't gone to Manchester United and come back and scored against us weeks later, if he'd have stayed at Fulham, uh, how would we have done that season? Because I think we did. We end up finishing ninth or tenth or something like that in the end.
1: We finished ninth, granted, but at the time it was the highest finish ever. And we finished on 52 points. So we only finished a point behind Hodgson's 53. Hodgson's team finished a mile away from fifth. We was only four points away from it uh, in 2003-2004. So it is a massive what if. I don't think you can explain just how much of a void it is when, when you lose a player like Sahara in that form. I mean, if he had stayed, I think we would have finished in the top six. Saha,
0: Saha is the type of player that could play in in an average team. Um, for for example, if that Hodgson team played the Coleman team, um, Saha could win you that game just on his own, just for yeah. one moment of brilliance. Whereas the Hodgson team, as we know, very well drilled and eventually they, they might break you down and, and bore you into submission. But if it was delicately poised at 0-0, Saha could just produce that moment of brilliance and
1: win the game for you. Well, the Coleman team had more match winners in it. And I suppose it's hard to justify it because Hodgson's team, most of them, went on to be Europa League finalists. So yeah, people will find it hard to look past that. But Tigana's team, I think a lot of people would agree, is the best season they've ever experienced. The yeah. football we played, the, the team we had. And this was kind of a, an upgrade on that because we replaced... An aging Biarni Goldbet with Steve Malbronk, who was a sensational player, the legendary Mike Taylor with Van Sar. And Sahara yeah. was in the form of his life. So for me, it was the, the best group of players I've seen play for Fulham. And if Sahar had stayed, they would have one hundred percent finished higher than Hodgson's fifty three points. One hundred percent. Because there was only a point behind yeah. it without him yeah. for half a season. And I know, I know McBride was brought in. Unbelievable business. But. Different type of player, though. Different type completely of player. Different type of
0: player. Brilliant, but.
1: It's, it's unbelievable business to, to sell Sahar for, what, 12.5 million and, and bring in McBride for half a million to replace him. I mean, unbelievable. But in terms of the quality, it's, it's just completely different. I, I think it's unfair to judge McBride on that. The, the form Sahar was in. I don't think there was any striker available that could have replaced him. We, we were destined to go on the decline after that. At
0: that point, at that point in his career, that season, I think Saha walks into any team in the Premier League.
1: Why? Well, and and that's why you can't. I suppose from his point of view, he'd done all he could for Fulham. He, he yeah. did get us promoted and with hindsight, he didn't really owe us anything, I suppose. yeah, you know, we obviously gave him the chance to put him on the map, but at the same time, you could say he put Fulham on the map. Because I don't think Fulham would have got promoted without him. So he deserved the move. But I think for me, I look back on his career a little bit better. More so for the way he is now he's retired than at the time. He's very much for Man United. And it's rare that he associates himself with Fulham. He did that Twitter video for Wembley. But he's very much Man United this, Man United that. And I think he's a little bit forgetful of how much he means to the fans and and that yeah, that's that's a bit of a shame. That's probably my only criticism of him because as a player you know I, I absolutely loved him. And That's interesting
0: you say that actually because you know you, you get a lot of players who come back and cut, uh, come out at half time and wave to the fans and do a quick interview that nobody can ever hear because the speakers are never loud enough. Um, but I seem to remember towards the end of last season we were on, we were on Sky um, or bt or whatever it was and he was in the studio really? so he, he has yeah and he, so he has been back um, but it's interesting I don't I mean I've stand to be corrected um, but I don't ever remember him coming back and doing that thing on the pitch and I think it would go down really well if he did do it that being said I do remember him coming back with Everton and and um, Oh, Bobby Zamora missed an absolute sitter at the Hammersmith end in injury time. He blasted it over the bar, and it looks he'd done all the hard work, and all he had to do was stick it in the corner of the goal. And I just walked out. I thought, oh, we got we got a draw here. Sod it, I'm going home. It's not going to get any better than that. And then as I was walking up Stephen's Road, I heard a massive cheer from the Putney end and it turns out Saha had bloody scored and he went and celebrated it. And, you know, players do celebrate it and I'm, I guess I'm not anti-players celebrating against their former clubs, but having loved that guy so much, it's, yeah, yeah, that one was quite a hard one to take. Um, it's,
1: it's a difficult one because you could turn around and say, well, someone like Brida Hangland comes back and he's full him through and through. And, and you could say the same about McBride, but... They never got to play for a Man United, yeah. and Sahar wasn't like a player that's forgotten by Man United fans. I think if it weren't for injuries, he would have had a really big impact there. You know, I've, I've yeah. heard Wayne Rooney say that he was the best strike partner he's ever had. Yeah. So he was popular at Man United, and I suppose from his point of view, why wouldn't you milk that? So it's easy to come back and say, you know, I'm full and through yeah. and through when you haven't had that opportunity you know on the big stage for a big club but at the same time he could never be in the same mould as Johnny Haynes because Johnny Haynes sacrificed that you know so I mean so it for me he's a legend for what he achieved but he could never be on the same bracket as the very 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 top mm. maybe do you think that view
0: shared amongst all of our fan base especially those who who are old enough and who are around at the time I mean, what I'm really asking is how, how do you think he's now regarded uh, by Fulham supporters? Do you think Fulham supporters will look back and, uh, with nostalgic clouds in their eyes or do you think they'll just look back and think that's just another player who left us?
1: Um, like, I mean, no. I mean, it was obviously a, a hard pill to swallow at the time. But a lot of water has gone under that bridge. Yeah. You know, and how can you not like him? You, you go to football to be en- entertained. Yeah. You go to football to see Fulham do well and a team to be proud of. You know, it doesn't mean you want to win all the time, but you want a Luis Sahara in your team. You want to say he's our player. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, for his performances and for his ability, he is by far the best player I've ever seen. Yeah. By yeah, far. Yeah,
0: same for me. All right. So. We're going to rate his Fulham career out of 10. What do you reckon?
1: Show your workings. All right, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it would have to be 9.5. Okay. Probably should be a 10. But there were spells in the Premier League, particularly in the first year and a half, where... I don't think he was as prolific as what he was in the Championship and in that last six months. Mm -hmm. I don't think we relied on him. I think the rest of the strikers carried him a little bit. If you look at the stats, I don't think he scored many goals. Mm -hmm. Plus, the way he left. If you look at the way Steve Finnan left, it was sort of through the back door. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was done, you know, in the way that you'd expect someone like Steve Finnan to leave. It was done very professionally. And he would have got his move in the end anyway. It's a shame that he didn't give us the rest of that season to go on and do something special. But but nine point five. I'm only going to knock half a point off for that.
0: I don't think I can knock half a point off. To be honest, I think in terms as you as you say of sheer value for money. Um, as a supporter, paying my money to go through the turnstiles and watch somebody in the championship. All right, I, I take your point that the the first Premier League season or Premiership season wasn't. Uh, wasn't amazing Um, but he was he still showed flashes of what he was capable of you know he could head the ball he could he'd take penalties with either a right or a left foot I mean the keepers just have no chance when a
1: player does that we forgot to mention that Zamora is the only player that has done that um, yeah for Fulham but the difference is Hard did it in the same game which I think is ridiculous yeah to have the confidence to do that so yeah yeah Yeah. it's
0: it's unbelievable
1: you turned me on you twisted (laughs) it a little bit I'm gonna, I'm gonna go 9.8, 9.8. <laughs> 9.8. <laughs> No, I can't, I can't do the ten. I yeah. can't, I just can't do it. I can't do it. Um, well, I'm, I'm going with
0: a ten simply because I can't think of anybody better. He
1: um, scored the own goal um, in the uh, FA Cup semi oh, yeah, He finals. did, yeah, he did, he did, so didn't he? That, yeah. So. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, you you could you could pick holes in any player if you really wanted to, but if if you. You know, we're, we're not a Barcelona. We're, not, we're never going to have the likes of Messi or, you know, uh, or a Ronaldo or anybody like that. I think Luis Sahar is as close as we're ever going to get. And we won't ever see anybody better playing for Fulham for the amount of time that he stayed for us. What did he say for uh, two and a half seasons? You know, if, if, if a player like Luis Sahar signed for Fulham and, and had the season that he had with us, that first season, he'd be gone. He'd be gone the next summer because know, of the market in this day and age.
1: That Coleman team had a world-class goalkeeper in Van der Sar and a world-class striker in Sahar. Two world-class players in the same team. Yeah, you're so, right. Absolutely right. So, I don't think that's exaggerating. I think Sahar was world-class. I think he could have played yeah, for anybody. definitely. Could have definitely. played for anyone. Definitely. What was that
0: stat you texted me earlier about, about the rankings
1: as well? I've, obviously, because of the focus stuff we do, I've done my research and I've got a list of the all-time rankings for appearances and goals uh, for, like, the top 100 or whatever. And including pre-war, it's a bit iffy with uh, league appearances and stuff, but including that, going all the way back in our history, Sahar is 15th for most goals in a Fulham shirt. Uh, and he is second behind Jimmy Conway for the most goals by an overseas player. Uh, but that's assuming... Wales and Scotland counts as like you know your your homegrown countries. Yeah, I think it does. Yeah, so Jimmy Conway's top for overseas players, and Sahar's <laughs> second, and you know, Jimmy Conway was Irish. So really, that, I think that's a big achievement for Sahar to be up there that high, and I think that just demonstrates just how prolific he was.
0: Yeah, it really does. It really does, and you know, if there were those who weren't around at the time to see him you know whether you weren't born or whether you, you weren't supporting the club then then you really did miss out and you look him up on YouTube or something
1: it just shows you what an impact he had
0: and what might have been if he'd stayed
1: absolutely don't go there not again
0: <laughs> what good alright well let's let's leave it there then um, I'll see you guys all up at Barnsley on Saturday yeah. And um, we'll be back next week and we'll be talking about somebody else. So cheers, everyone.
1: Yeah, always a pleasure to speak to you, mate. Thanks a lot. See thanks
0: you Fulham. Great, as always, to chat to Danny, who always does his research when it comes to stats and the like. And on that note, Matto Stato, welcome aboard, my man. How's your summer been?
2: Hello, hello. It's good to be here, thanks. Um, Summer's been something's been okay. Uh probably been on par with Fulham's transfer activity. You know, nothing, nothing good, nothing bad, quite average. But no, it's good to be here.
0: Good to have you on board, mate. Good stuff. Okay, and of course, the one and only Don Love. How are you, man? How have your holidays been?
3: Yeah, uh, it's been really good. I've been busy uh, down at the beach, so I can't complain. I was down there for three weeks.
0: Fantastic. Well, it sounds yeah. like everybody's nice and relaxed. Mm-hmm. So let's all get prepared to be nice and pissed off by Fulham again, eh? <laughs> let's do oh,
2: it inject it into my veins
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right so we'll come on to Saturday's game with Barnsley in a little while but first of all let's have a look at the squad so we lost Sergio Rico at the end of last season he, he went back to, to Spain and, and Betts is back so happy with that but I'll, I'll come to you first Matt how, how do you feel about Betts being back in goal
2: yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy. I think uh, two years ago when we got promoted, he proved himself as a decent championship goalkeeper. Um, he looks like he's injury free now, which is obviously a good thing. And I think he's probably looking to make a statement for himself. You know, he was dropped last year in the Premier League and I think he would want to kind of make his claim to be Fulham's number one this year.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. And of course, he got injured as well, didn't he, last season? Um not, not that I think he would have been back in goal anyway. For some reason, Sergio Rico seemed, seemed to be um, seemed to be quite a popular choice amongst all of our managers. But I, I was never a fan. But, of course, we've still got Fabry and we've got Rodak. Don, who, who's the number one this season for you?
3: That's uh, Betts. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah? You know, I've always liked Betts. And if you guys have listened to me in the past, you know I'm a big fan of his. I think he's you know, a great stopper, and he always commands his box. He's very vocal, and that's what I want in a goalie, is somebody who sits back there and commands and you know, lets everybody know what the field is and what he needs. I didn't feel like we always had that last season. You know, I'm, I, we all know that was part of a, a language barrier, but it's back, so I'm happy. I, I, I will totally go in this level of, of competition. I will go with bets all day long.
0: Fair enough. Part of me was hoping that we might sign somebody new, but we know we can rely on bets that we got promoted. Why?
3: Why? 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 We've got a great up and comer.
0: Yeah, no, it's a a fair point. I think uh, I think I was just going along the lines of it would be good to make a fresh start but you know he's a good player and we we've, we've also got Rodak who um who was very popular at, at Rotherham last season and I don't think Fabri got a fair crack of the whip last season either he was he was blamed at the start of the season when we lost at home to Palace and then we lost at Spurs unfair. It, well, with with hindsight, it was, but nobody actually realised how crap we were in front of him. I think people just <laughs> assumed that it was all his fault. But then when he was out of the team and two other goalkeepers came in instead of him, then it was still the same old problem. So, But I, I can't see that he's going to be happy sitting on the bench or not even on the bench for, for that matter. So we may see him go before the transfer deadline next week yeah, anyway. I, but... I,
2: I wouldn't be surprised if this time next week, to be honest. I mean, if yeah. he is, it's great. He's the goalkeeper. I'm sure he'll probably be quite decent in the championship. But
0: um, well, he's a Champions League keeper, isn't he?
2: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like we so said, didn't we have a fair chance last year? Lots of weird things happened with goalkeepers last year. And, you know, I think if he stays, then, yeah, it's, it's good. If he doesn't, then, you know, it's no big deal. We have Bets in Rodak. And I think Rodak could, you know, he could challenge Bets this year. You know, he, he had a great year with them, And I think, you know, he... he Betts is, Betts is, he does make the odd mistake every now and then. and All
0: goalkeepers do, though.
2: All goalkeepers do, but, you know, with Betts it kind of happens than what you'd like. So I think if a few Rodak could come sniffing and, you know, he, he could displace Betts potentially.
0: Well, we were looking at the um, the squad list today because the squad numbers were released and we've got Bettenelli, we've got Rodak, I'm just looking through now, we've got Fabri, we've got Magnus Norman um, and we've got Luca Ashby Hammond, all with squad numbers. That's five goalkeepers. So. That, you know, doesn't mean, that doesn't mean much
2: I mean, I wouldn't expect Norman or Ashby Hammond to get a game unless no. a freak injuries occurred. But no, I think in terms of the goalkeeper department, we're more than ready. We have a very solid goalkeeper department for the championship, I think.
0: OK, I think we've established that uh, Betts is probably going to be our number one this season. So let's have a look elsewhere in the team. Unfortunately, and I do mean unfortunately, we lost Anguisa last week. He went out on loan to... Was it Villarreal he we went to last Friday night?
2: Yeah, um, quite a good team, to be fair. Um, but it, I think it's quite a big loss for us. And I know, he's, I know he wasn't everybody's cup of tea, but I think he really could have been a decent player for us in the
3: Championship.
0: I still maintain he would have been the best player, best midfielder oh, in yeah. the Championship if he'd stayed. But he was man of the match in a lot of our games um, in the new year. Uh, once he Once he got his... Um, feet under the table and was in the team he started to play really well and I think he would have looked excellent in the in the championship so I'm a bit disappointed that he's gone what do you Mm -hmm. think Dom?
3: Well it's like you know you guys were saying he wasn't everybody's cup of tea and he got a lot of stick last year for a lot of different things but he was young exciting you know yeah he didn't always want to come back on defense that really kind of bothered me especially it was hard to play him I thought along Tom sometimes because Tom doesn't always you know come back on that defense or you know it doesn't allow Tom to have more freedom to to be creative so I, I don't know you do you think there was like a problem in the squad like was he a disruption?
2: I don't think it was that I think it was more of the case that you know a La Liga it seemed like Villarreal who are always up and up there with the Champions League and Europa League they came calling and they put in an offer, and I'm sure it looked attractive to Anguissa, and it was probably attractive to Tony um Khan at Fulham. You know, I don't think there was any. I don't so think you think he, it was a
3: perfect match? Maybe get some of the wages off the uh, off the books.
2: I don't think it was a perfect match. I think that you know, in an ideal world, we would have wanted to, wanted to keep him. But I think you know, if an offer like that comes calling, and you know, a player like Anguissa, I think he'd rather want to play in the top league of Spain rather than the second division of England. Um.
0: I think that's exactly right. I feel like Angiisa said. I feel like no, Angiisa said, like said. I don't want to play in the championship. Find me another club. Same with Seri. I feel like that's exactly what's happened.
3: Well, Siri, I, I totally understand that. I mean, he, he didn't want to be here. It seemed like hardly ever. I mean, his performance on he, the field was lackluster so many times.
0: He said he never even heard of us when he joined last summer. <laughs> what a, what a thing to I, say I'm about the new I'm club? Sorry.
3: Are you serious? Did he did. He I heard
0: that? him. Yeah, yeah. What he he kind of made a there. joke about it. I've well, no, never that's, heard of him. That's,
3: uh, that's not even cool. But, uh, anyway, i got nothing else to say gone. about him, Then yep, he's, he's gone.
0: gone. They've both gone. All right, so we don't have either of them. What we do have is Cyrus Christie, Dennis Adoy, Stephen Sessegnon, uh, Marlon Fossey. Who's going to play right back this season? Don. Ooh.
3: You know, uh, I really would like to see the youngsters start. Um, I just don't know that it'll happen. Uh, I think when I, when I say youngster, I'm talking uh, Fossey because I just think there's better competition there. If you looked at the last game, Adoy did not do that bad. I know I'm not his biggest fan, and I give him stick in the past. I didn't think he did that bad. So I could kind of see him sitting there up until Mawson's injury, so I don't know what's going to happen now. I... But-
2: I think it kind of has to be Steven Cessignon's breakthrough year. Um, obviously both the Cessignons are nineteen, so they're still quite relatively young in terms of a football career. But, you know, given how far Ryan's excelled in the last few years, I think it's really Stevens' turn to step up and, you know, take his place as our main right back.
3: I can see that. You know, if he hadn't had his injury, I think last year would have been it. I really do.
0: Well, I think um, I think it's quite clear. We we still haven't got a a, a squad number two. Uh, we didn't have one last season either. We we haven't had a, a number two since Ryan Fredericks left. Dennis Adoy can play right back, and I th- I think he's an okay right back. I think Cyrus Christie is probably the front runner to start. I know he's not a, a lot of people's cup of tea uh, after what was uh, a, a fairly poor season in the in the Premier League, but. The championship, it's a different kettle of fish. You get away with with more mistakes, and when in in the second half of the season when we were promoted, I, th- I thought he looked pretty good. Um, he came off the bench quite a lot when Ryan Fredericks was tiring, and he set up a couple of goals for Mitrovic. He got forward, and yeah, I, I can see him. I can see him being the first choice to start with. But I he's do got wonder, good whether we're
3: speed, you know, he's he,
0: got he definitely speed. has. He definitely has. I just wonder whether we'll bring somebody else in before next week's transfer deadline day.
3: I mean, okay,
2: being, so, be, being sorry, i um, being a football perfectionist. You know, the number two shirt should be a right back because you know yeah. that's just that's just an unwritten law of football. But I don't think we'll need to sign another right back, and I don't think we will get another one coming in. Not to say the number two shirt will be unoccupied. I think it will get occupied by someone, but I just don't think it will be a right back.
3: Mm,
0: okay, interesting. Well, that that just reminds me of when Clint Dempsey went to Spurs. I think he wore the number two shirt at Spurs. Yeah, didn't he? he
2: did. Didn't Very he strange. always does. Weird. Which is f- football heresy?
0: Yeah, it is. Okay, so that's the right side. Uh, what about the left side? Sess is still here. Will he go? Uh, it's
2: it's probably the big the big if of the summer, isn't it? Will he or won't he? And if he doesn't go, what does that mean financially for us? Like, does he sign a contract extension? If he doesn't, do we just lose him on a free next year? uh where think, does he
3: fit in the team if he's still here where yeah, does he exactly. play that's the question that's the question if he does stay what does he guarantee you know you start all the time or we're going to rotate you he's not going to want to rotate with these other guys uh, are you going to put him back at left back well uh, you know brian's there and i think that's well covered so and i'll prefer f- f- Joe why at left back over sasson to be honest yeah, yeah, I he's agree. A, he's
0: a proper, proper left-back, Joe Brian. For, for me, I, I just feel like I can completely understand why Seth would want to leave. If Spurs mm-hmm. are sniffing around him, he must be thinking, I might not get this chance again if I don't go now. I might get injured this season in the Championship. Anything could happen. But if he does go, I can't see him playing regularly for any team in the Premier League. He didn't play regularly for us. And when he did get in the team, he wasn't that good. So for me, I think... He should sign a, a year extension, get his stock back up and play in, play in the championship with us, have another good season with us and then see where he is next season. I think, I think it could potentially be career suicide for him because I don't think he's good enough to be playing in a team like Spurs on a regular basis.
2: I completely agree with that. I mean, for his development, it would be best if he stays with us one other year. But, you know, on the flip side, you can't blame him for wanting to leave to go to a bigger Premier League club. It's a tough one.
3: It is. All I would say is, and, I'm, and I hope hopefully this will close the door on that uh, situation. If he leaves, you hope that he goes somewhere where they will really look at him and keep developing him as a young player, and not just say throw him to the wolves and then he falls apart and his career goes sideways. You know, this, this is where if he did stay, I think Scotty's a good man for that, having you know PL two experience and, and U eighteen experience. Mm-hmm scotty i think would have really helped develop him so if he leaves best of luck you were you know a good tradesman uh, a good steward for the club and wish you all the best but i hope you land with somebody like scotty
0: one other thing then so the only other the only other thing i can think of here is what if he signed for Spurs and then they loaned him back how would you feel about that matt
2: um yeah that'd be quite a good agreement i think um if you went to Spurs, I'd have no hard feelings. And, you know, I think it would be in both clubs' interests. Like, they get the player, we get the transfer fee, and at the same time, we get another season of CES, and he gets another year to develop. So I think, you know, all around that would be a good deal. But then that would go back to, if that does happen, where would he fit into the team?
3: That's That's the ultimate question. Now, the only thing that really would put the icing on the cake if that were to happen is that would give Ces, uh Ryan a good chance to play with Steven uh, you know, in a, in a year of football. So that could be a win-win.
0: Okay. All right. So I went to the West Ham friendly at the cottage on, on Saturday. It was very bizarre uh, sitting in the Hammersmith end, looking at a, a Riverside stand full of empty seats. It was like a real throwback to the nineties when, when there were all sorts of seats missing and, and the ground looked very derelict back in those days. Um,
3: hey, so real quarter? quick, real quick there, uh, uh, Matt, will you describe what it looks like right now? Cause you know, for us overseas fans, I'm curious, have they built a wall so you can't see the construction going on?
0: No, or? No, no, no. So there is a temporary um, structure, uh, scaffolding structure that sits over the dugout. So the dugouts are still there. Um, and that's the gantry where all the cameras are. So for anybody watching our games on TV this season or watching highlights, I think the the vantage point is going to be slightly lower from where the cameras are, and they're very much on top of the pitch. And then you, the, everything's still there. It's just a stand with uh, without any seats in it. And I assume the um, the director's box has, has moved over, maybe to the the Johnny Haynes stand. I'm not sure where that's gone. I was trying to work it out on Saturday, but I but I
3: couldn't. Well, I thought he um, be, uh, he being Tony Khan just moved that to the uh, the cottage.
0: Uh, possibly, yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think there was anybody sat in the cottage on on Saturday. That's for sure. But the ground was was particularly empty, as as you'd expect for a pre season friendly against a team that we didn't play very long ago. So, yeah, so, so the Riverside stand looks looks weird. Um, and to the game on Saturday, um, uh, Stefan Johansson limped off. He was limping about for, for quite a while and eventually got taken off. Um, but we were talking a couple of weeks ago, Don, weren't we, on, on our WhatsApp group, and, and we were talking about whether or not Steph Joe is is going to be back in the team. I, I guess at the time we still had had Anguisa. Um I should imagine now Steph Joe is... is a nailed on starter for this team, right?
3: Oh, he's definitely a nailed on starter for, at least for me, you know, uh, we, we always give him a little bit of stick for being that guy who can get a quick card. You know, he, he's that, that cheeky little guy who will come in hard and do stuff. And I think sadly watching the highlights from the game and watching the game, uh, that's what happened to him. He, you know, he got a hard challenge, so he's probably got a good knock there. Hopefully that does not hurt him at all for the season, but, uh, I miss him. I miss his antics. I miss his craziness. I, I miss him. I, you know, he's a good, fun person to watch. Uh, I
2: would, I would completely agree with that. He's, he's just, he's just one of those great footballers that you know, you just play. Opposition hate him. We love him. You know, technically, he's not the best, but he always puts a hundred percent in. And yeah, I'm just looking forward to. I'm just looking forward to seeing the three amigos back in midfield again. To be honest.
3: Ah, uh, now you say three amigos. I assume you're uh, referring to KMac. Of course, that, of that course. to me, that to me is kind of a question. You know, uh, I love KMac. I love his presence on the field. He is obviously kind of our true captain on the pitch. But mm-hmm. uh, he, it is a year later. He, you know, he didn't play a whole lot with us last year. He, he He's really slow in turning. Things. He's really slow in turning. So uh, it's only a I'm year
0: not... afterwards. Though. It's only it's only a year after he was promoted with us maybe he wasn't good enough in the Premier League my I I think he's good enough to play uh, a lot of games this season but my only concern is that we don't have any backup for him and when he does get injured or suspended then who comes in for him we don't have another defensive midfielder
3: Um, you know that that is the problem with our system okay we like to play a four three three, and you want your outside backs to be more like wings that are constantly going up and down. Well, if they're going to be able to do that, they need that strong midfielder holding midfielder that helps to break up play or distribute the ball or you know do things and If Kmac gets hurt, who is that guy right now that's going to drop in there and make that happen and That's the big question Damn, I say this but
2: we do still have Ibrahim Asissi on our books, and he was given a squad number today. Now, he, he's kind of vanished. He's a bit of a myth, to be honest, but he did play in the Premier League last year, and he he wasn't terrible.
3: But he's not that big, strong guy to me. You know, you, I'm looking for that big, strong guy who can almost play a centre-back, you know what I mean? Who yes. can help bring yes. things up. So, for me, that's kind of the one of the spots well, there are several, you know, that we always look at and say, God, who, who's going to be the strength or the, or the the second person, second string for that spot. That is one spot that I am a little worried about is we need to, that strong kind of holding guy in case k gets hurt. You know, I think if, uh, you get, uh, um, Johansson hurt, you know, Sess or different or not Sess, but, uh, uh, Ibrahim or different ones could fill that spot, but I don't know about that K-Mac spot. Yeah, yeah it's
0: quite, quite clear we're going to need to bring somebody in. Well, moving on, speaking of injuries, one man who has suffered a lot with injuries since he signed for the club is Alfie Mawson. Um, it seems like he's, uh, he's only ever one undone shoelace away from from the stretcher. So <laughs> oh, do, we, do we have to bring in another centre-back, or do you think? Oh, we have we to. Cover there? Oh, okay. yeah. Even
2: even before Mawson got injured, a centre back was high, you know, on was a high priority to bring in before the transfer window. And now he has got injured. I would even say two centre backs maybe we need to get in.
0: Well, we've still got Maxime Lamarchant. True. And we've got Dennis, who, all right, he's not everybody's favourite again, but we know he can play centre back and he can do it effectively. But do we have anybody else? I mean, Callum Chambers, we had last season, has gone back. So that's another one. So, yeah, I, th- I think you may be right. I think we probably need a couple of centre-backs. Well, we, we, we have
3: to get a right centre-back. And here, here's why we have to have a right centre-back, okay? Uh, unless you're going to say Tim or, uh, you know...
0: Of course we got Tim Ream. Of course well, we got I was Tim Ream. Say,
3: so unless you say Tim or LeMachon is going to slide to the right, and the reason I say that is because if Mawson's out, really the only other right centre-back is a Okay. Well, that means Christie's got to drop in there uh, or, you know, uh, Steven has got to drop in there. Well, if Mawson has got a knock already, a gets hurt. That doesn't really leave a lot of cover for that particular position. Okay. On the left, I'm not so worried because, you know, you've got Tim, you've got uh Lima and if he had to, you could easily drop Joe I- into the center, you know, on the left-hand side. So, Or for that matter, you know, even uh, uh, McDonald could drop back there. I'm worried about that right centre-back. And as everybody has said, a big, strong guy, you know, somebody who's going to dominate, especially in the air.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. So, all right. So we said we need another defensive midfielder. We said we need a couple more centre-backs. What else do we need? How many more signings would you like to see us make between now and is it next Thursday, the transfer deadline day? How many more do you think we need?
3: I don't know what Stato Mato says, but uh, my th- only uh, only other position I would kind of worry about is Mitro.
2: I th- I think we're fine with Mitro, to be honest. Um, well,
3: I just mean if he gets hurt, God forbid, I'm knocking on wood here. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, Rui Font, in he comes. Rui Fonte. You, the you think man, that's the, the myth, cover? the legend.
2: Well, AK-47 can also play up top if needed. And we have got that new young lad, um, Taylor Crosdale, come in. He's only 19. Ah, but,
0: that's
3: true. That's true. You
2: know, I, th- I think in terms of attacking options, I mean, even take could play up top if needed. I think th- we've got more than enough attacking cover. We don't have the traditional striker that Micho is as a cover, but, uh, you know, like I said, Touchwood. hopefully he doesn't get a serious injury and hopefully, you know, that won't be needed.
3: Fair enough. Yeah. Okay.
0: I feel like we may need some more cover in midfield because who have we got if um, if Johansson gets injured? Who have we got if Kearney gets injured? Yes, We've got nobody. Yeah. We're we're so threadbare in that area. So I think I think we probably need another five or six signings, to be honest. But it's a shame that we haven't managed to make them before uh, whilst we're still playing our pre-season games because we're in a similar position now to the one we were in last year where we're right at the start of the season and we're looking to pad our squad out. Um I think Harry art has been linked um Michael Hector has been heavily linked to the Chelsea Center half all summer but i just I just hope that there isn't a mass panic on the last day um as there was last season because, as we know, that led to bloody disaster.
3: Well, we yeah. just don't want a bunch of loans all of a sudden
0: yeah yeah we we're don't gonna, I, I hope Tony Khan's learned his lesson I hope he's learned his lesson in that respect.
3: We're going to get some
2: loans because it's the championship and it's inevitable and Tony Khan loves a loan deal. Um, We've well, already,
0: already got two. Knockout and Cavalero are both loans.
2: But aren't, aren't they loans with a view to a permanent?
0: Well, they are, yeah. But, yeah. Still well, loans.
3: but I think that's they a big difference. That, that's yeah. a big difference from what he did last time. Last time we had all these loans with no options to buy. So the minute yeah. we got promoted, often the win they win. So that is a big difference. And Matt Stato is right, you know. Excuse me. Tony Khan does love his last minute deals. And he said that in his interview that uh, everybody probably listened to on a different pod. Uh, At any rate, he did mention that he is not going to spend money, the ridiculous money and that he is all about, you know, making sure that the right player comes in for the right fees. That's all good and said, but we really would have wished they'd have been done by now. And the team would have had more time to gel as a whole. And that's, that's the one thing that bugs me is, we don't have everybody in and they don't have all kinds of time to gel right before getting into the games.
2: Yeah, I think that's a bit of, you know, in that interview, Tony Khan talks about lessons learned from the previous year. And, you know, you would have thought one of the major lessons learned is, you know, to get the business done early, to give the time to gel, you know, give them a bit of a preseason rather than just chucking them in at the start of the year. And it feels like it hasn't in that aspect. He's more, you know, he's a very, he's very much a financial man, and you know, he said that by waiting to the end, you get the better deals. And I think that's one thing he hasn't quite learned on.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's um, let's move on to this weekend's game. Then we we know we're probably going to be be bringing in some signings at some point. Um, hopefully, there be before this weekend. Sooner, sooner the better. Um, I've got some juicy stats, Matto Stato, that you very kindly prepared about the Barnsley game. Um, Mm -hmm. So Fulham Fulham and Barnsley have met 80 times in the past. Um, We've won 26 of those games, lost 31, but we have won five out of the last eight, which is encouraging. Interestingly, last season, I didn't really pay that much attention to, to League One last season. Barnsley were obviously promoted. Barnsley were unbeaten at home last season and they won 65% of their games. And in the process, they kept 10 clean sheets. However, they have lost their fir- their first three choice centre-backs and their goalkeeper. So they'll have a completely new look back line. So surely we need to be encouraging Knockhart and Cavalero to, to run at their full-backs <laughs> And get balls into the box for Mitro to get all over those new centre backs, right?
2: A hundred percent. You know the new signs they have got. The three centre backs they've bought in are all be are all young at twenty one years of age, and none of them have championship experience. They've bought a few new goalkeepers, and you know whatever team they put out on Saturday, they're going to have a completely new centre back pairing. So you know, Mitrovic he, he needs to bully he, he needs to bully them and literally just. Take control in that aspects, and I think he could do. I think, well, I think he will do. Even,
3: you know, that that's also kind of a a game that would scream out. Then you bring on AK at some point, and Ooh. you know, you love him or hate him, he's got good speed, he's physical, and he will go right at him. So that that's the kind of game. If they're brand new and and young blood, fresh fresh blood in the water, you put in an AK forty seven and let them just tear him apart. Uh,
0: yeah, just don't let him get in front of goal and have a shot. That's that's the only <laughs> problem with him. So we're going to be coming up against Corley Woodrow, um, a player that came up through the, the ranks at Fulham and never really made it. He played a few games in the Championship and scored in the Premier League for us uh, once, I think. But now he he pinged the goals in last season. I'm just trying to find, I think you told me how many goals he scored last season somewhere.
2: He got um, 16 goals last year. Yeah,
0: 16 goals in a promotion season at League One level. Pretty good. 16 in 31. Everybody seems quite obsessive about him on our WhatsApp group. Everybody's convinced he's <laughs> going to score against us this, this weekend. Um, what are your thoughts? Are you worried about Corley Woodrow? I know I'm not, but then I'm normally wrong. <laughs>
2: uh, well, yeah, for a start, we're going to have an awful defence and we probably will concede, let's be honest. And it, it may or may not be Woodrow. Um obviously the whole going back to your ex club curse is the major factor there. Um I think League One was kind of his level. Touchwood. Like I, I don't know jinx I don't want to jinx Fulham there by saying that. So you know, I can expect Barnsley to score, but I I don't I don't think it's gonna be him.
0: I think looking at their form last season, you said here that Fulham are most likely to concede early on based on when Barnsley were scoring their goals last season. Yeah.
3: Well, that's just a Fulham thing. You know, I feel like we always start slow and yeah. just, you know, haven't woken up. It's like when I'm coaching my youth, 13 girls, you know, they're asleep for the first 10 <laughs> minutes all talking to themselves. So I I, I don't know if Collie or I'm sorry, if Woodrow is going to be that guy who has found his level, you know, at level one that I I could see him doing okay in the championship. You know, he he's got a good, size to him and he he he, I think at least plays pretty well with his back to goal a lot like Mitro so I could see him doing okay I don't think he's going to set it on fire but I've always liked the guy don't ask me why but I've always liked him I think he could do okay now with that said obviously not on Saturday
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah oh absolutely absolutely so Adam Davis the Barnsley goalkeeper kept 19 clean sheets last season but he's gone he's been sold to Stoke and they've signed two new goalkeepers, one from the Austrian League and one from Chelsea's Academy. So there's not much championship or English game experience in between the sticks. So Mitra's nailed on to score. He's got a score. I, yes, I think Steve. he'll score a couple this weekend.
3: You know, as long as we're getting balls in the box and, and giving him the opportunities Metro, I think you know, is fifteen sixteen goals easily. He he's got to be up there for golden boot. Um, and and I think you know, with Ivan playing in different ones, I think he'll see the ball more than he did last year. So I, I'm I'm really looking forward to the front. It's you know obviously the back that we got to worry about.
2: I think whatever happens in the weekend, due to Barnsley having pretty much new defense and our defense just being awful, it's it's just going to be a high scoring game, isn't it? <laughs> Well, okay, so well, with I, I that read, in mind,
3: I read somewhere somebody predicted eight eight v uh, uh, for- <laughs> eight. Eight oh, all,
0: that would be quite the turn-up for the books <laughs> on the opening day of the season, wouldn't it? One for the, uh, one for the entertainment value, anyway. So, all right. So, I, I presume you're not you're not saying it's going to be eight all, Dom. What what do you think oh, the score no, going to no, be this no. weekend? What do you think the score's going to be?
3: I'm going to go two one to us. Two one two, to one. us. And yep, I, I I I have a, Who's going to score? I definitely think there's going to be one goal. Oh, I I, I definitely think. For me, I think it's going to be uh, Tom and I think it's going to be uh, uh, Metro. He, he's going to get his, you know, opening goal and it's going to be the start of the season for him. So and then Tom, Tom has kind of come back in some of those uh, uh, pre-opening games. If you notice, Tom was back to himself with that left foot out of you know, midfield, picking up a nice ball, you know, out into the top 90. So I, I feel Tom's coming back, too.
0: Yeah, he scored a couple against Brighton in pre-season at Aldershot, didn't he? So let's hope so. And of course, who's going to get the Barnsley one? Corley Woodrow?
3: Yeah. No, it'll be an accident on Tim Ream or Adoy. <laughs>
0: in, in off Adoy's arse, okay. All right. yeah, yeah, uh, what, what, do you, what do you think, Stato?
3: I think we'll
2: probably go 1-0 down early on because we need to remember that Barnsley have just been promoted. They've still got that you know, excitement of being promoted and that will carry them over for the first 10-15 minutes. So we have got one-nil down, but I think we'll pull through and win 4-1 is my guess.
0: 4-1, yeah. I, I four, think one. we'll I think we'll win quite heavily as well. I'm I'm gonna say 3-0. So um, <laughs> you think we're gonna yeah. keep a clean sheet? Yeah, why not? That's let's be let's be
1: positive. <laughs> let's yeah, I love let's it. start
0: I love it. let's let's start positively and then we can be miserable <laughs> fuckers when things start to go wrong. <laughs> Good day. Alright, so that's the Barnsley game. Let's let's think about the uh, the championship as a whole then. Um who do you think is going up this season? You can pick three teams. Who do you think is going up,
3: Don? Three teams that are going up. Okay. Uh us uh I don't know why. I, Leeds worries me, you know, they they've got this uh that new backing. Didn't they they got sold to a conglomerate. So I could see them and Mm. who's always up there Derby
0: yeah okay. yeah Derby you've got Philip Cocu, haven't they Middlesbrough are normally there or thereabouts Cardiff still got Warnock still got a similar team to the one they came down with
2: Brom, they've got Slaven Bridge in now. they'll be up there Stoke. I think um,
0: it's a tough league. Maybe
2: I think um, Bristol City could be uh, dark horses once again. I know the last few years they kind of dropped off towards the end, but I think they, you know, they could surprise a few this year again.
3: I've heard a lot of people say QPR could be the dark horses here. Don't say that. I know, I know, <laughs> but apparently they have got some that. decent signings. So I think Brentford
0: as well. Brentford are rumored to have a, a really good team. I don't know a great deal about them personally, but if that, if I mean. I don't want to say it, but if they were to go up, then they'd be they'd be in the Premier League to move into their new stadium, wouldn't they? It should be great for them, but not so not so good mm-hmm. for us. But
3: you know, it, right. it's, it's the beauty of this competition is you just don't know. You know, it, this isn't the Premier League. You're not going to have your guaranteed top seven, and your pretty much guaranteed top uh, or bottom four. It's a tough. Tough league, and that is the beauty of this league. There's too many unknowns, and mm-hmm. there's so many games. Oh my lord, the amount of games they play! Yeah, I would agree. I'm oh
0: going to I'm gonna make a call and say that I think Reading will be relegated this year. All the Ooh. noises that I'm hearing Ooh. from because I because I, I live in Reading, so everybody that I've spoken to who who watches Reading are, are quite worried this season. They've not signed many players, and haven't they signed um,
2: Charlie Adam?
0: Yeah, they did sign <laughs> Charlie Adam. Yeah, so but that would have that been obviously. great. Ten, that would have been great ten years ago.
2: Yeah, yeah, but now feels a bit feels a bit Jamie O'Hara ish. Yeah, a, very much. Yeah,
0: I, th- I think they're going to struggle, and they struggled last season. So, but yeah, so all right, we'll 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 see how that pans out. Hopefully, though, we'll be we'll be concentrating on the top end of the table and and looking at looking at promotion again. That that would be great. I think,
2: I think. Arguably, we 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 have the best attack in the league. I mean, with Cavileiro, I don't, I don't even up. think
0: it's an argument. I don't think it's an oh, argument. No. It, We've yeah. got yeah. the best attack in the league.
2: The, only, the, the issue doubt. comes from yeah. The only issue comes from the midfield and the defence. Like, yeah. That that's needs <laughs> a bit of worry. That is a worry.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that could be a concern, but hopefully we'll pad that out and, and things will end up okay.
2: We can only hope. Yeah.
0: Quite. All right, well, I think that's just about everything, guys. Anybody got anything to add? Any other business, Matt, from you on your debut? Um, oof.
2: not yet, but, but I'm hope i right hoping you put me right on the spot there. But um, yeah. I just hope to be included in a few more pods over this next year. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, it's been good to have you on. What about oh, we've definitely Don? got
3: you in the rotation. We are definitely in the rotation. Uh, you know, I really don't have much more to say. That we've covered pretty much everything that we can say. You know, I, I I just want to make sure that everybody has their full support behind Scotty. I know it's his, you know, debut basically, and he's an unknown or an unproven manager, but I, I think he's going to do well, and I think he's actually going to do some great things. Hopefully, with us, and not move on uh, to be great with some other club. So, wishing Scotty all the best.
0: Good stuff. I think, yeah, I think we think we all echo that. Okay, gents. Well, thanks ever so much for that. It's been good to have you, uh, have you on. It's been good to be back. Thanks to everybody for listening. We'll be back again same time next week. Where, uh, you can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter and on, all the, on the, all the usual social media platforms. And as I say, we'll be back next week. Follow.